0: welcome everyone to another episode of soul to soul connections with jenny g I'm Jenny G. Cousins, your host and producer. Now, in order to tune into my show, make sure you subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel to catch all shows and content that are coming out. The links will be in the description box below. You'll be able to catch it. I'm on many different platforms. Now, also before I forget, if you feel you have an inspiring story or something you'd really like to share with me, Reach out to me and let me know because you never know when I'm going to reach out to you and say, Hey, let's do an interview. So, now on today's episode, I am so honored and deeply grateful to have the opportunity to interview Neil Donald Walsh. I absolutely connect with his work in so many ways. And He has touched millions of people worldwide. So I'm just going to read a little bit of a bio, and then I'm going to introduce him into the show here. So now, Neil Donald Walsh has written 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections, with a higher power a book in the common sentience book series neil is the best-selling author of the conversations with god series which seven of his nine books made the new york times bestseller list book one remained on that list for over 134 weeks His titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. Now, Neil's new book is called God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. And thank you, Neil. I am so grateful for sharing some sacred time with you have a chat with you today about your book and other conversations.
1: Oh gosh, what a nice introduction. Thank you. And I I feel a little overwhelmed. I'm kind of embarrassed with all those nice things that you said, but I'm glad to be here. And it's an honor to be here on your program as well. So thank you for the chance to share these moments with you. How can I be of service to you today?
0: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So I just wanted to say now, God Talk is your 40th book. Tell us what makes God Talk special and different from your previous books.
1: Well, you know, if I was asked one question in the past 30 years more than any other single question, it would be, can I have my own conversation with God? And can everybody have this experience? Of course, the answer is naturally yes. God is not exclusive to any one particular individual or any group of individuals for that matter. But then the next question I get is, how can I do that? And one day, you know, about a year ago or so, I got a call, uh, uh, and it was a publisher, and they said, would you be willing to write a book explaining to people how they could have their own conversations with God? I mean, could you put it in like a few steps, a little formula that they could use to get from here to there? I said, you know, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you for asking me. So I did write that book. Uh, it, it, It came through me very quickly. I wrote it in about three and a half weeks. Uh, from start to finish, and and uh, sent it to them, and they uh, published it. It's now uh, wonderfully available to anyone who wishes to obtain a copy. What makes it different from the other books is that this is not a dialogue book. There, is, it's, there There is no interaction with the divine in this book, but the book does list ways in which people can have their own experience of connecting with the divine. And I do I do list a six-step process that I think could work for a lot of people, and that certainly did work for me. So um, that's what... And also, by the way, the book contains uh, stories from other people who have mm-hmm. had their own interaction with God and, and feel really clear about it. So because the publisher invited the general public, they put a note on the Internet saying, if you feel you've ever had a conversation with God or any kind of intervention from the divine, send us your story. And many, many people sent stories in. They picked out the seven best and put them in the book as well. So the book is fascinating reading, and it helps us all to understand how ordinary people, not just the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or the chief Ulema or the head rabbi, not just people who are leading the world's religions uh, or saints and sages, but ordinary people like you and I can have our own and are in fact having our own direct connection with the divine on a daily basis. Could I, I wonder if I add this, Jenny? The book makes the point. The book makes the point that we are all having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else. Because you know, if we said, "Well, you know, God told me this," or "God said that to me," most people would look at us askance, at least if they didn't you know, invite us to be submitted to the sixth floor of the local hospital. You know, it's like a psychiatric ward because, yes. because so, in order to not be called crazy or weird, we, we call our conversations with God something else. Maybe we call it, a, you know, an epiphany or a sudden inspiration or a psychic hit or women's intuition, whatever we can get away with that can help us explain that we did receive information from someplace outside of our own mind. So then people say, but when we when we describe that to other people, people say, "What are you out of your mind?" And we say, "Well, in fact, that's exactly true. I was out of my mind when I received this information. And sometimes those uh, those experiences of conversations with God, Jenny, can be uh, very lengthy. it can, you know, it could be a really long uh, piece of information enough to write down a whole chapter in a book, you know. Or it could be a a very quick inspiration. I remember driving down the road one day. It it was 2.30 in the morning. I was leaving a party, and I was going home rather late at night, and it was uh, 2.30 or 2.45 in the morning. Nobody nobody was on the road. I came to a stop sign. Of course, I stopped. But as I stepped on the gas to start up and go through the intersection, I heard a voice simply saying to me, stop. For no apparent reason, but, you know, reflexively, my re- reflexes took, uh, took you know, went into action. And I slammed on the brake for no apparent reason. It's 2.45 the morning. There's nobody in the road, except there was. All of a sudden, I had looked both ways. I didn't see anybody, but there must have been some 19-year-old teenager as he whizzed through the intersection from left to right across my field of vision. And he was, he had to be going 65 or 70 miles an hour you know, in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. He just zipped through the intersection because when I first looked left, there was nobody there. But that's how fast he was going. If I hadn't obeyed the impulse to stop, I wouldn't be here to talk to you about it. Neither would that teenager either be here. We would have had a terrible accident. But somebody tell me, what made me hear that word, stop? Is that my guardian angel? Was that you know the divine? And so I believe that we receive information, all of us, either in the form of one or two words or entire sentences, in some cases, entire streams of thought that could be put into a paragraph if we were to write it down. But all of us are having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else.
0: So you feel that God is really listening to um, like our our conversations within and we can talk with God. How, if I wanted to, let's say, or somebody, I mean, I'm, I, I do channel myself, but if somebody wanted to have a conversation with, with God, what would you suggest they do or how, or is there a sign
1: Well, there's an interesting question, Jenny, and my answer is, there is no one-size-fits-all answer to this question. I think it's different for everybody. All of us find ourselves, if we really truly wish to have that ongoing relationship with the divine, we we each find our own way there. So I think there are some similarities, but there is no one-size-fits-all answer to your question. But the first thing But the first step is we have to admit there even is such a thing as god so our the the, the first of my six steps is the most important one because billions of people by the way do not believe that there is a higher power so we have to simply acknowledge you know there is this entity that many people call god allah brahman jehovah whatever word we feel comfortable using but but there is a higher power in the universe And so uh, if we embrace the notion that such a higher power exists, then we have to go to step number two, which is to be aware that we are, how would I put this delicately, worthy to be receiving information, that the higher power is not looking at us going, well, I don't know, if you're not a saintly person, or at least the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or somebody who's, but no, I can't talk to you, the likes of you. So Mm -hmm. the second thing we have to uh, do in our uh, process is to acknowledge that we are worthy of receiving such conversations, receiving such information, and that, in fact, we are receiving such information, as I said a minute ago, all the time. We're simply calling it something else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love how you wrote the experiences um, and the stories of others with their experiences with how they're connecting with God and and you know how they see God and the and the consciousness of it. I mean, especially with others, as you mentioned, that don't believe in that. I mean, I've I've even interviewed people atheists that don't believe in in God, and then they have a near death experience, and it it really wakes them up, and then they they changes, start to share their story. Yeah,
1: yeah, changes their mind in a hurry, yeah. doesn't it? you, yeah. you know what? you you did ask me a question a minute ago maybe there is one thing that people could like could try if they want to see if they could make that connection with the divine this is one of the, a suggestion that i make keep a small little notebook next to your bed on the nightstand next to your bed and if you'd like to really see you know if the process could work if you have a really important question that you'd like to ask the divine Not a silly question, like what are the winning numbers of the next lottery ticketers? But I mean, a really important question. Uh, Write the question down before you go to sleep, but then let it go at that. Write just the question, put the pen down, put the tablet down, let it go until morning. And when you wake up the next morning, the first thing before you do anything, pick up the pen, pick up the tablet, and write down the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't question it. Don't doubt it. Don't, don't 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 write it off to your imagination. Just write down the first thing that comes to your mind, and it might astonish you. The clarity of the response that you'll receive to the question you asked the night before.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's getting that clarity within and not second doubting it. Yep. You know, some others don't, are like, "How do I know if it's true?" Right. And it's like, don't, don't second guess. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: Don't don't second guess it.
0: Yes. Yes. So when people are sharing their experiences of of God talking to us, do you feel that's really, really important?
1: No, it's totally unimportant. You should just forget about it completely and never mention it to (laughs) anybody because you're making it all up. You're just imagining it. Of course it's important.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Of,
1: Of course it's important and you want to really pay attention to it which is, yes. by the way, one of the six steps that I mentioned in the book. Don't write it off. Pay attention to it. Yeah. it, it re- really give it the weight that it deserves and realize that, uh, you know, I need to pay attention to this.
0: Yes, yes. Because even one little experience somebody hears, it could, it could wake them up somehow or, or make them think even more so and such. Can you share one of your stories? in in your book in your book god talk
1: well uh, you know what one one of the stories that really struck me was uh a, a lady who felt that god spoke to her through her own son she had it looks i think it was a six-year-old or seven-year-old child and she was trying the mother was trying to figure out you know an, an answer to a major question uh she was looking at some health issues in any in any event but one day out of the blue this seven-year-old walked up to her in the kitchen, her seven-year-old son, and said, Mommy, why don't you call Dr. you know Schneider, or whatever his name was, and and, and ask him about your back? Because I think I've been noticing that your back is really hurting you a lot, or, or whatever. And she, she looked at him like, where in the world would you come up with that that idea? Where would a seven-year-old, even to remember the name of her doctor, much less to walk in there like an adult and suggest that she call him, so she did, in fact, call the doctor, and he said, you know, come in for an appointment. They looked at it, and she had a fairly important um, medical procedure. That, that, and she's ap- looking back on it all, she's very clear that, 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 you know, if you please, God chose to work through her son in a way that she couldn't deny. You know, when your seven-year-old child makes a suggestion and comes up with the name of your doctor out of the blue. You got to figure out. There's something going on here. There's more going on. The, the statement that I like to make is: There's more going on than meets the eye, and I think that's true, Jenny, of all of life. I think the with the entire life experience from birth to death, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Or as Bill said, he wrote a wonderful play called Hamlet, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and what Bill said in that play, he had one of his characters saying there are more things in heaven and earth Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy and it's true there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy that's true for the largest number of people so there is more going on here than meets the eye
0: absolutely because in in god talk you did share the six steps um to talk with God, and under step three, you defined it as willingness. What does this mean, and um, what can people do to be willing?
1: <laughs> they have to be willing to be willing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I mean, to give a simple answer to a very direct question, uh, I, I think they have to be uh, willing, uh, and and that is they have to allow themselves to Step into willingness. They really do have to be willing to be willing rather than be rather as opposed to being reluctant or hesitant or worried about it. You know, some people are actually worried about uh, imagining they could have a conversation with God because maybe their religion teaches them that you can talk to God. We can all pray to God, but God will not talk back to you. And if you're going to say, if you're going to ever say out loud to anybody that God speaks directly to you, then we'll, we, will have to, we have no choice but to accuse you of blasphemy or heresy or apostasy, some kind of ecclesiastical offense uh, that we don't appreciate. So there are some people who are actually worried about even thinking that God would speak directly to them. So that's what uh, uh, what comes under the uh category under the label of willingness to be willing to set aside all of your reluctance to to be willing to set aside all of your doubts to be willing to set aside any worry that you might have any anxiety that might be attached to the thought that god's talking to me just to be willing you know to embrace the experience exactly as you're having it yeah and
0: not to second guess it i mean it especially in today's society with so much going on in the world, you know, I, I believe we're, if we're tuning in and paying more attention, we're getting so many more messages from, from God and the spirits and and angels and such like that. If we're open to it and it can really change a life, like transform others.
1: Yes, and you know what's important is to understand how God speaks to us, because if we're expecting all of God's communications to come to us in the form of complete sentences or paragraphs of, you know, information, that's one way that it could happen. But also, sometimes God speaks to us just simply through a feeling. Yeah, just knowing. Yeah, a feeling that comes over us that may not even have any particular words associated with it. It's just a certain feeling about something. Uh, So... um, Feelings, I'm told, are the language of the soul. So uh, God will speak to us in feelings, or um, the chance utterance of a friend. We happen to, we just happen to, by by the way, by non coincidence, we just happen to run into somebody on the street that we haven't seen in five years. Yes. Oh, it's good to see you again. How are you? Yeah. And this this friend utters something that comes out of out of nowhere, yeah, and just happens to be, you know, speaking directly to us. Another good example. You know, I, and this is a vivid one from my own life. I remember uh, I had a big question in my mind. It doesn't really matter what the question was, but I can tell you what was interesting. I was in the hairstyling salon to get my hair done, to get a haircut. And there is an old magazine on the, in the waiting room, you know, that had to be three or four months old. But the cover story on the magazine from four months ago was directly associated with the question I had in my mind.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. And I went, I went, that's not possible. That's just not possible. What are the odds of that? What are the odds of me even coming into this particular hairdressing place? And that particular magazine sitting there at that time, a four months old magazine, of course, I picked it up. I read the thing. And I did a very un- unkind thing. I actually tore the article out of the magazine, folded it up and stole it and put it in my pocket because I didn't want to forget it. Yeah. So you know, thank goodness it was a four-month-old magazine. But as I got home, I thought, "Wow, if this isn't coming to me from a higher source, what are the odds of that?" Yeah. And sometimes it could even be the words on the billboard on the next corner you make on the on the you're driving driving along the highway, and there's the word on the billboard, a sentence, a seven-word sentence that answers your direct question. Yeah. And again, it's one of those non-coincidences. Yes. Know? Yes. So. I mean, even
0: before I went to spread my dad's ashes, I asked, Daddy, are you going to be with me? And there was a parking lot. And it was all darker cars. And there was one car. It was orange. The license plate said, Dad.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And, it, you know. And Did that I'm blow also, you away or what? Well, no, I'm used to that kind of stuff, right? But I always ask. I like to get those confirmations as well. And oh. and it, the, the most interesting thing as well is the car was orange and I'm looking at having to buy another vehicle and the vehicle I'm actually looking at is Monarch orange.
1: My goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, it was just, I tell people to do that, pay attention to the signs and, and such yeah. like that, especially in yeah. work at the hospice, I'd see feathers. And such like that on, on the floor, I'd pick up. And...
1: I used to work for a lady named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And uh, she was a psychiatrist who wrote many books on death and dying. And mm-hmm. I I, had, I was a staff person for her for a while. She used to say, there are no coincidences in the universe. She calls it divine intervention.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's exactly, exactly Perfect word. Perfect
1: word. Come on. You're asking dad after he passes on, are you going to be with me? Tell me, did you find a way to tell me you're with me? You pull into a parking lot late at night. It's dark as anything. And there's a car with a license plate DAD on it. Come on. And
0: and the car is orange, like the same car, like the same orange I was looking at at buying this other car. Like, seriously, this was just recently.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I love it. I love it. I just surrender it. And go with the flow okay you know give me a sign for this or that and I surrender it I don't go looking for it and then something appears and I'm like okay and then just to tell you something else and then I was walking my dog early in the morning and I'm like dad should I get this car like this this orange car this man comes out of his house with a bright orange jacket on I mean how many people do you see wearing a bright orange jacket yeah yeah,
1: right. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. <laughs> he, so, he, he he might as well have had a sign on the back of his jacket that said yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, man. Yes, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So
0: Amazing. now God talk God talk is part of a common sentience, a mystical book series. Tell us why you decided to write a book for this series.
1: Well, you know, I didn't. You know, I have to say, every other book I've written, I've written 39 other books. I wrote on my own initiative. I just, you know, I, I had an idea. I wrote a book. And then I, you know, sent it to some publishers. And I found a publisher. And they were willing to put the book out. But, But I didn't really decide to write this book in the way people think. As I mentioned a little while ago, my phone rang out of the blue. It's the first time it ever happened to me that a publisher actually called me and said, would you write this book, as I mentioned a while ago? And so, of course, I said yes when they asked me, would you be willing to write a book about how you had your own and how people can have their own conversations with God? So what made me decide yes was an invitation that direct from a publisher uh, was most unusual in my life, because that's not normally how the relationship develops between a publisher and an author. Usually the author comes to a series of publishers and says, you know, I've written a book. Would you have any, any interest in in publishing it? But here was a publisher calling me. So, of course, I said, yes, I'd be very happy to. And I was happy to do it. And I'm very happy with the result. Oh. They did a wonderful job with it.
0: Yeah, And they're amazing. Like, they're, they're phenomenal books. Phenomenal. I've followed your work for many years. So how how... Can we bring peace, prosperity, and security to the world?
1: By changing our definition of God. Mm -hmm. Because the current definition that we're using of God is what stops the world from experiencing peace and prosperity and happiness. We imagine, that is, most people who believe there is, and you know what's interesting, uh, Jenny, the statistics have shown Surveys have been taken by uh, by uh anthropologists over the past 10 years in most of the nation's countries, asking a single question, a one-question survey, do you believe in a higher power? And eight statistically speaking, 8.5, 85% of the answers were yes. People believe in a higher power. But here's what's interesting. While 85% of human beings say yes, I believe this some kind of a higher power. We can't come to an agreement about what that higher power is, what it wants, how it works, how it how it how it reacts, if we don't give it what it demands, if it in fact demands anything, we we just we just can't come to an agreement about about that. But most people who believe in God do agree on the following. Most people believe, not all, but most people who ascribe to a particular religion believe that God is loving for sure but also judging, condemning, and punishing. Now, here's what's dangerous about that. If we really believe that our God, our deity, is judging, condemning, and punishing, that is, if we don't do what he demands, what he commands, what he wants, and do it in the way, by the way, not just what he wants, but in the way he wants it, that is, you have to belong to a particular religion. You know, Jenny, as a child, I was taught I was born and raised, I, I don't want to be disparaging, but I was born and raised in the Roman Catholic religion. And my Catholic religion taught me, I was taught by the nuns in school, that if you are not Catholic, or at the very least Christian, if you if you don't belong to the Christian faith, you're going to hell. I mean, it didn't matter how whether you were kind, generous, compassionate, forgiving, caring, patient, understanding, loving person. None of that mattered. You belong to the wrong religion. You're going to hell. And this was the God I was taught to believe in. Now, even at the age of nine, my mind is trying to get itself wrapped around a notion of a higher power who would send a a poor person who might be in some other country who simply doesn't embrace a particular religion. Maybe they're Muslim or Jewish or you know Hindu or who knows what, but they're not the right religion, and God's going to send them to hell. And I couldn't, I just couldn't. At the age of nine, I couldn't grasp that notion. But here's what's sad. I'm I'm making. I want to make a point here, Jenny, and that the point I'm making is most people believe in a God who's judgmental, condemning, and punishing. Therefore, we think it's okay for us to be judgmental, condemning, and punishing with each other, because our religions teach us to be godlike, to imitate the behaviors of the divine. So if we think the divine behaves in that way, we will consider it okay for us to behave in exactly the same way. And that's the answer to your question. How can we bring peace and joy and happiness and love, more love to the world? By believing in a god, by changing our definition of god, And using, you know, uh, I wrote a book called The God Solution. Mm -hmm. And in in that book, I answered the question, if there really is a God, if there really is a divine power, a higher power, then why is the world such a mess? Mm -hmm. And why has the world been such a mess from the beginning for thousands and thousands of years? Why doesn't God step in and just do something about it? And the answer that I received when I asked God the same question is, Oh, sweetheart, Neil, sweetie, it wasn't my intention to create a, a a species of minions that all human beings would simply be subjects in the kingdom, do as I say and you'll get the goodies, don't do as I say and you're in big trouble, like I'm some kind of a, you know, master of, over the race. It that wasn't my intention to, you know, My intention was simply to invest in you, to give each of you, every single sentient being in the universe, the power to produce your own reality. And so if you don't like the way things are going on earth, then notice who's creating them that way. Just change your mind about how you want things to be created. But how can we change our mind about how we want to interact with each other when we imagine that God interacts with us? with judgment, condemnation, and eternal punishment for the slightest offense. Like missing Mass on Sunday. The Catholic Church also teaches that if you miss Mass on Sunday, I don't mean regularly, I don't mean for a year, I mean one Sunday in your life. If you miss Mass, if you think I'm exaggerating, ask a priest, this is a mortal sin, missing Mass without a good excuse. You know, if you're taking care of a sick parent, fair enough. Or if you have to work on Sunday morning, Okay, but if you just go to play golf, you know, because you you have some out of town friends and one particular week, one week out of your life, you decide not to go to mass. If you die the next day in a car accident, God forbid. You're going straight to hell. Mm. Burning in the fires of hell for missing church one Sunday of your life. Yeah. Now, this is why we behave this way with each other. It sounds like I'm exaggerating the point. But we are behaving with each other the way we have been told that God behaves with us. Yes. We have been folded, told that it is appropriate for us to behave with judgment and condemnation of each other. Now, here's the suggestion that I make in the book called The God Solution. What if we came up with a new definition of God? What if we decided that God could be defined in two words? Pure love.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, Jenny, when I say this in front of an audience, somebody in the back of the room is bound to get up and say, oh, yeah. Mr. Walsh, please, please, please. Yeah. We've been listening to you for 20 minutes for you to tell us that you think that God is love. Everybody yeah. agrees on that. Even even religions that have dogmatic, yeah. you know, of yeah. opinion. we all agree that God is love. And that's when I have to say to my friend in the back of the room, whoa, 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 relax. I didn't say that. I didn't say God is love. I said God is pure love. Yeah. Now my friend in the back of the room will say, okay, what's the difference? Yeah. The yeah. difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and demands nothing in return. Read that, N O T H I N G. God doesn't require us to worship him, to obey him, to even believe in him. God requires nothing of us in order for us to be worthy of receiving God's blessings and God's love. That's what pure love is. Pure love requires and demands and expects and even hopes for nothing in return. Jenny, we can't even love the person on the pillow next to us that way. So we think that God is a trade deal. You know, God is, is involved in, in in the trade deal with us. Like nations have trade deals. I'll give you this, you give me that. God says, you give me worship, you give me obedience, you you believe in me, and I'll give you all the goodies. But if you don't believe in me in the right way, or if you don't worship me every single Sunday of your life, or maybe it's Saturday in your religion, or maybe it's Friday night, whatever, but you got to be with me once a week, or, a or you're in big trouble. So, this is the idea, the God solution is to imagine, what if we decided that God was pure love, and what if we chose to see if we could embrace that notion and demonstrate pure love, even with the person on the pillow next to us? Can we get through a single day without needing, requiring, demanding, or expecting anything from that person in return? For our love. Because love is not a transactional experience. It's not a transaction. Mm -hmm. I'll give you this if you give me that. It's not a quid pro quo relationship. It's I love you because of who you are. And I need nothing in return from you. In order for me to give you my love. Jenny, it took me, I'm sorry to say, 40 years to learn that. I went through relationship after relationship after relationship, thinking that it was a transaction. I'll give you this, you give me that. Only when I finally married the lady I've been married to now for 16 years, which is for me a record, but Mm -hmm. but only when I finally found this particular person and I decided, you know what, I'm going to love this person because of the extraordinary human being that she is. Having nothing to do with what I can get from her. Unconditional,
0: unconditional. You know, as as I see it, it's the most powerful energy in the world. Most powerful energy in the world. I mean, my even even with my work that I do, all my spiritual work, it's it's from my heart and it's it's from my soul and it's it's unconditional. You know, and it and it's my goal to even, even if it's even if it's one person, let's say, one person a day, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a hundred or whatever, as long as I've touched that person's soul and opened their heart to make them believe that person can really change other people and share love upon the world. I mean, even when I do prayers, I do prayers every day as well and meditate and chant every day. You know, I I always radiate and and chant out unconditional love, especially more to, you know, people who are of, like, the dark forces and negativity and we are really struggling, like the so-called leaders. We won't even talk about that. Don't even get me started. But, you know, for them, because if they were really in tuned with unconditional love, all of this would not be going on or happening.
1: No, of course not.
0: Right?
1: Now I have a question to ask you. Does a person who does not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior go to hell? No. Or oh, they can go to heaven too.
0: Yeah, of course. I I mean, in my in my way of perception, we all we all go. We all have God to answer to for.
1: What what do you mean? What do you mean, God to answer to? You mean what? What if God? When you say God to answer to, does that mean there's a judgment and God says you didn't believe in the right way, so you're going to hell?
0: No, no. I believe that when when we go, we're all surrounded by unconditional love.
1: Ah, so what do you mean? What what do you mean, God to answer to? What do you mean by that?
0: Well, it's it's like I like for me. um, I mean it. I I do readings and such like that and had many near-death experiences and, and um you know i i personally believe that when we pass on we're welcome doesn't matter who we are what we've done we're all welcomed in by love we're all showing um so you know what no we've god. done
1: so there's no god to answer to in the sense of
0: well, well yeah they're not going to stand there and point your finger and and all of these things i believe we're all shown upon our journey the good and the bad or whatever whatever our journey was on earth
1: um, and give it a chance to do it differently the next time
0: yeah. yeah 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 reincarnation coming back
1: yeah and if we don't like what, what we did if we go back to the other side we, if we find ourselves in the spiritual realm we say oh wow i don't think i would want to do it that way again the next time yeah. and we come back you know with another incarnation in a different body yeah. at a different time in a different place and perhaps we respond differently because we've grown in our spiritual understanding yeah. of who we are and why we're here. So you and I share the same belief. So there really is no God to answer to in the sense of, Oh, I better get the answers right. Or I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to write a book one day called, there's no way to be in trouble with God.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I'd love it. I love it. That's a great title. And and I, I would, I would do that because, you know, even, even, You know, whenever I'm talking to people every day and such, even with my clients and so on, you know, I get asked that question um, a few times, actually. Well, there is no God because of this and this and that and and all of that. Exactly. And I, I understand it. And that's why with me, you know, let's say if I talk to 100 people today, for instance, right? Even if I can, you know, take one person, open up their heart, open up their soul to see life to experience unconditional love because for me the number one law of the universe is do not ever judge anyone no matter what has happened or they're going through we all have our own journey and our life lessons to walk upon and experience you know because yeah
1: in other words he meant it when he said judge not and neither can
0: yes Yes, absolutely, and that's why you know even you know the podcast here I call it soul to soul connections with Jenny G because it's soul to soul we're we're connecting and talking soul to soul heart to heart you know and authenticity and, and and speaking it's so important I I'm very drawn to authentic authentic authenticity the blah, blah. <laughs> authentic well, I people hope, and stuff I hope like that,
1: that you're I hope that you're right about everything you're saying, because if you're not right, you're going straight to hell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, actually I've I've got seven books I started writing many years ago. They're sitting in my folders.
1: <laughs> but you so, know, it's it's as it's it's as George Bernard Shaw said one day, even if you are going to hell, all <laughs> the interesting people are there anyway.
0: Exactly. You can have a party and connect with them They're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So now, out of all of your books, out of all 40 books now that you've written, do you have, I mean, of course they all have their own energy and, and everything in it, but do you have out of all of these books now, like one of your favorite, like one that you're like, I like this book more for whatever reasons, right?
1: Yes, uh, I'm not sure I'd call it my favorite book, but I think it's the most important. Uh, and it's it's the book uh, home with god mm-hmm. the, the subtitle is in a life that never ends mm-hmm. and it's a book about the afterlife it's a book about what happens it was a dialogue book i'm questioning god it's a back and forth conversation with god mm-hmm. but i'm asking god in the conversation you know really what is death what's the deal here give me what what is death and what happens after we die And the book answers that question in specific detail. So uh, it contains some wonderful, wonderful insights, uh, including the statement that nobody dies at a time or in a way that is not of their choosing. And, and, And as well, of course, there is no such place as hell, that every soul that ever was, is now, and ever will be, always returns to the realm of the spiritual. There's no such place as hell, or Hades, or whatever you want to call it. Such a place simply does not exist. And many other revelations uh, in in the book as well about uh, you know life after death. What you know, what is death? God it's said, it's simply a change of address. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just, you you continue to exist. Death does not exist. Uh, you continue to exist. You simply no longer exist. Inside of your present physical form. But you 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 leave that form in a sense behind. And, and then you return. But one of the interesting things that I was told in Home with God is that we don't even leave our form behind completely in the way people think we do, that we simply re-energize what we call our body and our mind. But but portions of your body and your mind go with you. And when you reincarnate, you will reincarnate using some portions of your body and your mind, including some portions of your mind that you've had in what you call previous lifetimes, yeah. which explains deja vu. Yeah. That explains how we can sometimes sometimes walk down the street and have a have a deja vu experience. And we wonder how can we know that? I was in, I remember being in uh, Hamburg once with my wife, and I was there to give a lecture. But we're walking down the street in Hamburg, and I said, oh, my gosh. If we make a left turn at the next corner, there's a beautiful, beautiful building there with pillars, huge pillars, three-story high pillars. And it's it's a gorgeous, some kind of a government building. We got to go look at it. It's really great architecture. And my wife said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I just feel like it. So we turned the corner, and sure enough, four blocks down, there was the building. And she said, you, that's impossible. You you almost described it. I said, you know what? I've been here before. Yeah. This yeah. is not this is not my first time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have that experience, which the French call deja vu. I've seen this before. And we might also have the experience just meeting a person. For instance, when I did meet the lady who is now my wife and has been for 16 wonderful years, I remember when she first walked into uh, my presence, my first thought was, oh, boy, here we go again. We've done this before. You know, and, and later on, not immediately, of course, but as we got to be friends and got to know each other, I said to her, it feels like I've known you all my life. He's like i don't know i don't know how to explain it i know this sounds like a come on it sounds like a line but it not re- i really do feel like i've known you forever and she looked at me and she said my god i was afraid to say it but i feel the same way about you i feel the same way about you we got married a week later wow yeah we were driving yeah. driving driving down the road in the car we were gonna go see a play And we were going to the theater. It was was our first date, our first real date, dinner and a theater. And on the way to the theater, she turned to me in the car and she said, you know, I think we should be married. (laughs) And I looked at at her and I said, you don't want to say that to me twice.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. She said, no, I'm serious. I, I think we should be married. Yeah. We like the same food. I just discovered that at the restaurant. We like the same music. We like the same. play. We had the same taste in in everything, you know. And uh, obviously, I love your books. And you know, we're good together physically. We discovered <clears throat> we discovered that the other night. <laughs> so so why wouldn't we be married? Yeah, and so we got on a plane two days huh. later and huh. flew to, flew to Las Vegas, mm. where there's no waiting period to get a nurse license. We got a marriage license in an hour, went to a marriage chapel and became husband and wife. Wow. Just as simple as that.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I believe in that. There, there um, There was an actor, Andy Garcia, I think it was. And he was at the airport. He was like on one of his films or whatever. And he was at the airport having a drink. And he met the lady beside him. And he married her that night, like literally, and they've been together for many, many years. I mean, it's it's that, like, I do past life Akashic record readings as well. And people are like, how do you know? And I'm like, because whenever you meet someone and you feel as if you know them somehow, yet you're like, this is the first time we physically have met, you know, and feel really comfortable with them, really circle that. Because that's a clear indication that you have had other lifetimes or a lifetime with that person. And they're that soul connection. You know, we all, I mean, we all have different reasons why we meet different people for releasing karmic situations and such. But I love that story. I love that story. Yeah. That's so beautiful.
1: Yes, and my life has been, been that way because I've been really struck. Listen, I listen to the feelings, and the words, and the ideas, and the thoughts, and the emotions that God sends to me and sends through me.
0: You can sense that, feel that.
1: Yep, I've learned to trust it. I've learned to trust it.
0: Yeah, my life
1: life has taught me to trust it. I didn't trust it the first twenty years, but boy, I mean, of my adult life. But when I got into my 40s and 50s, especially after my 50th birthday, I started paying attention and listening carefully to what I was hearing. Yeah.
0: yeah. And how you're feeling, too. I, I get that. I, and sometimes I tell somebody, see how your body feels when you're interacting yeah. with someone. And, you know, yeah. if there's that calmness with it, then the intentions are are good. If you're like, I don't know, all of this stuff, that person's intentions might not be, you know, for the right reasons and such like
1: that. Yep, give it what I call the tummy test. I had a lady in one of my workshops. She couldn't decide whether to uh, take a job or not, that she was really offered a good job, but she didn't know whether to take the job or not because it would require her to leave the job she currently had. She said, what What can I do? What can I do? And I said, do you have a coin in your pocket or in your handbag? She said, yeah, I probably. I said, okay, get, get, take the coin out. She took the coin out and said, I want you to flip the coin. Heads, it's yes, take the job. Tails, it's no, don't take the job. She said, really? A flip of a coin? I said, well, that's not just a flip of a coin. When you flip the coin and then you look at whether it was heads or tails, listen to what your body says. Because if it's it's heads, then your body will either go, oh, no, I didn't (laughs) want to do it. Or your body will go, yippee. Yeah. It's what I call the tummy test. Your tummy will never lie to you. Wow. Listen to your tummy. So she took the coin out, she flipped it. Yeah. It 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 came up tails and her tummy went, Oh no, I really want it. And I said, There's your answer.
0: Wow. That that's really, really great advice. Like I'm gonna try that. Like there's like whatever. It's like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? yeah right? the, the tummy that, test really good advice so yeah. now your your conversations with God now that came out as a movie back in two thousand and six yes, right How is that like how how did that go for you?
1: it's the more, it's the most surreal experience I don't know how many people have had the opportunity to go to a theater and see on a forty five foot screen on a cinemascope screen in front of you your own life yeah. You know, I mean, that, 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 that's a very surrealistic moment. I'm sitting in the back of the theater. I didn't even want anyone to know I was there. So I snuck in, you know, I snuck into the back of the theater. My wife and I were watching this movie of of my life, made by Stephen Simon, who, who uh, produced and directed many Hollywood films, What Dreams May Come, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's a you know, well-known Hollywood director and producer. And he read my book and said, I want to make a movie of this. So he did make a movie of it, uh, starring Henry Churney. and And I went to watch the the film in the theater. Very strange experience. But they did a wonderful job because, of course, he consulted with me. He came to my house. Stephen Simon did the producer and the director. He came to my house with a screen screenwriter. and and they sat down with him for three days and went through my life from, you know uh, beginning to end so they could really get an accurate uh, script to put together. And, and he gave me something that most Hollywood producers would never do. Steven Simon gave me script approval. He said, if there's anything in the script you don't like, we'll take it out of the movie. We will not put it, it will not be in the film. So so they they uh, gave me script approval. And uh, when I agreed with the script, because they, they didn't really put anything in there that I didn't like and nothing that was not true. So then they, then they produced a film, which was basically the story of, of my life from the time I had my conversation with God experience. Very well done, I thought the movie was well done. Movie is called, predictably, Conversations with God, called the movie.
0: Love how he gave you that, you know, make sure that everything is okay on your script and such like that, because sometimes things are reworded and such everything.
1: So, oh yeah, you know he 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 allowed yeah. me to come. I was yeah. I was actually uh, on the set when the movie was being made. They yeah. made the movie. They made the movie in the city in which I lived. They came to the city where I had the experience of being on the street because I was living on the sidewalk for a year. So they 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 depicted that whole experience of me being homeless and on the sidewalk, and then me crying out to God in the middle of the night one night. What does it take to make life work? What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And I, I screamed out to God, tell me the rules. I'll play. I'll play this damn game. Just tell me the rules.
0: Yeah.
1: And after you give me the rules, don't change them, because it seems like the world's rules of life were changing every other day. So, And that's when God began speaking to me and said, take this down. Yeah. So I began taking down on a yellow legal pad everything that I was hearing which brought up other questions, other answers, other questions. So Stephen Simon read that book, and he said, i got to make a movie of this. And he came to the city in which I live with his whole crew and the stars of the film and made the movie.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Because those stories are very inspirational, especially nowadays with so many ways and what's happened with the world and such like that. You know, so if somebody came to you and they're like, "You know what, Neil? I've lost faith in life. I've had so many disappointments. I I'm giving up, and I don't know what else to do." Well, what would you tell them?
1: You can you can do that if you want, but you'll simply come back and do it all over again anyway. So you might as well use this particular lifetime yeah. to to. But but I would say to them, let's make the first important decision. Number one, who are you? would ask him to answer the question who are you and if they say well you know i don't know i'm a guy Uh, i guess i'm you know a a fireman i work for the fire department i'm i'm a father i said no 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 i didn't ask you what you do who are you do you think you are this a body or this you think you're your mind or is this who you think you are another life form, not much different from a bird in the sky or a fish in the sea, more sophisticated perhaps, fair enough, but just another form of life? Or do you think you're more than that? Do you think it's possible, just possible, that you're actually a a spiritual entity having a body and having a mind, using simply your body and your mind as tools with which to complete the agenda of your soul? So who are you? And if they say, well, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, I would say, think about it in those terms, because here's what I've come to tell you. Or really, here's what you've come to me to hear. If you, by the way, I say to a person, if you came to me with that statement, and you think it was by coincidence, think again. You came to me because you knew I would have the answer. And the answer is that you are a spiritual entity, not simply another form of life in physicality. You are a spiritual entity and you've come here for an entirely different reason, having nothing to do with what you're doing, how much money you make, how your life is going in terms of good, good luck or the bad luck, that nothing to do with any of it. You are here to complete the agenda of your soul, which is to announce and declare, to express and fulfill, to become and to demonstrate your true identity as an individuation of divinity. And if you decide that from this day forward, everything that you think, say, and do will be a demonstration of your divinity, your experience of your life will change overnight. The exterior events may not be different, but your interior experience will be dramatically different.
0: Any any final words about God? Like any final words from you or...
1: Or from God. God says, Neil. your life is not about you. Tell everyone else as well. Your life is not about you. It's about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Yeah. And when you understand that, all the mystery goes away.
0: Yeah. That's the power could, of course, love.
1: I could, of course, be wrong about all of that, <laughs> but I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The power of love. I've always believed in that, the power of love. So, I mean, it, it's it been such a pleasure and, like, a big honor for me to, to chat with you today. And I know you're very busy and such. When does your book officially get released, just so others out there
1: who well, it's it's available familiar. right now. it, oh, it always be okay. it, it can be pre ordered now. Yes, really. it, it can be it can be pre ordered at, at Amazon or any online bookstore, and I think it's physically available on the fourteenth of November.
0: Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm gonna have people say when's this book out, so that's why I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask. Great. Right? So, I mean, i i I could chat with you for hours, like it, like hours and hours and hours, and I mean, I'd, I'd love to have you come back again and chat with you again. I mean, I know you're very busy and such like that.
1: We can do that. It's very simply done. Anyone yeah. who would not accept an invitation to spend more time with you has got to be out of their mind.
0: Oh, you're so sweet. You're so very kind. Very kind. Such a very sweet person. Very sweet person. And I I just love your work. I, I adore your work so much. And you know, I want to thank you again for for taking time to to spend sacred space with me as i call it you know one on one soul to soul heart to heart keeping it real talking about you know god my heart's filled with much gratitude for this opportunity as well
1: thank you it's been lovely to be here with you as well so thank oh, you for the thank you for the opportunity and the invitation oh,
0: of course of course and i want to thank everyone who's tuning in into my show and make sure you're subscribed to my podcast and my YouTube channel in order to get notifications on new videos and content and episodes on Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G plus everything else. And as a reminder, for those of you who have an inspiring story or something you you feel the need to share, let me know. Send me a message because you never know. I might reach out to you. I might even come to your doorstep and say, let's have that time to talk. I'm listening. So thank you again, Neil. And I will have a chat with you very soon and God. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you, my
1: friend. Thank you, my friend. Oh, Bye for now.
0: Thank you. Bye.